7 to 18. I find this so inspiring and uh, encouraging. So 2 Corinthians 4, 7 to 18. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Thank you. I was just saying this morning that um, I grew up and went to school around Guildford, so it always feels like home to come back here, and it's great to be here, um, and such a privilege to be asked to speak around this subject of mental health, uh, which is very close to my heart. Uh, so let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are so very present with us now by your Holy Spirit. Jesus, I um, pray that we would grow to know you um, more this evening, and that you would touch our hearts and minds in a new way. Amen. One in four of us will suffer from some form of mental illness at some point in our lives. Many more, in fact most of us, will have struggled with something that has impacted on our mental health, but may not amount to a diagnosis of mental illness. It may be worry, negative thought patterns, anger, fear of rejection, obsessional behaviour, the need for control, mood swings, addictive behaviour, and the list goes on. Mental health is therefore an issue for us all, as either we or someone we know and love will have or have had a mental health problem at some point. Historically, people with mental health problems were hidden away in asylums and even though these have largely been closed down and mental illness has become more visible to us, we still have a tendency to hide away um, people through our silence around the subject. And society's attitude towards people with mental health problems is reflected in poorly funded mental health services and jobs in mental health are often very hard to recruit to. Counselling happens in a little room over there. It's often in secret and it mustn't be talked about too much. The attitude of society towards mental health, although better than it was, 
continues to marginalize people suffering in this area. And the church as a whole isn't always much better. We feel it is okay to say that Sarah has broken her leg, but we may not feel okay to say that Tom has depression, or still worse, I have depression. And there are many people hiding symptoms of illness, such as depression, anxiety disorders, in the church and outside, as they fear it will mean isolation and exclusion. And it may feel a bit like this. If we can have the first slide, yeah, up. And anyone can suffer from mental health problems, including church members and church leaders. And I'm not talking about this issue just as a Christian psychiatrist. I've also suffered from mental illness myself over the years, including eating disorders and depression. So I know what it's like um, to be on both sides, so to speak. And the way that some people differentiate mental and physical brokenness or illness and see them so differently can only be from our very human and earthly perspective. It may be because we fear mental vulnerability, leading to a desire to avoid it altogether if we see it in others, or avoid talking about it if we see it in ourselves. We may believe that God can't use us if we suffer in this area. But God appears to have other ideas. His words suggest that we won't find strength in striving for or having perfect mental or physical health. We won't find strength in having the perfect anything, including looks, body, exam results, job, marriage, family, or friends. God says that we will find his strength in our weakness. And the first verse of this passage in 2 Corinthians is one of my favorite verses. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Clay jars in this passage symbolize our bodies, our minds, our lives, what we collect around us, our humanity. Clay jars like this at that time were cheap, breakable, dispensable and of no intrinsic value. The only value came from what was contained within them. And just as I turned 40 a couple of years ago now, our then five-year-old son very helpfully looked at me and he laughed, saying, Mummy, you've got lines on your face. And even more helpfully, he soon after added, Daddy hasn't got any. <laughs> and he was, of course, pointing out a sign of my ageing. Our bodies, our minds, our lives that we build around us, the clay jars that we inhabit now are breakable, vulnerable, decaying, aging, and all too soon will die. But if we know and love Jesus, we can look to the future not with uncertainty, but with hope, because we'll be with him forever. In St. Paul's words, in this lifetime, we have God's treasure within. Can we have the next slide up, please? And the treasure looks like this. The treasure is the power of the risen Lord Jesus through the indwelling presence of his Holy Spirit. And if you look around this church now, the people around you carry the presence of Jesus. They carry God's treasure. You carry his treasure. And with it, we carry the message of hope and of Jesus into the world. The treasure that shines and radiates out of us in this lifetime will be what's left when we die. 
and it's all that really matters. So it's important for us to think about what does the treasure look like in our lives? How do our lives reflect the life of Jesus? How does your life reflect the life of Jesus? The treasure is found in cheap, breakable clay jars, in people marked by weakness, frailty and vulnerability, both physical and mental. But our weakness serves to enhance the power of Jesus in us and enhance the gospel message that we bring, not detract from it. And you may well ask, but how can this be? And it's that the more cracks we have in our clay jar, the more the treasure can shine through. Our weaknesses enhance the message of Jesus because they show that the treasure within us, the strength and power of Jesus must be from God. It can't possibly come from us. The weaknesses that Paul is talking about in this passage aren't sinful thoughts or behaviours, although there may be some overlap, but are difficult circumstances. And much of what Paul was going through was severe persecution for his beliefs. Perhaps it can also be applied to illness, hardships, temptations, troubles, physical and mental wounds. And these may be the very things, the broken and vulnerable parts of our clay jars that God wants to use to demonstrate his power through us. The world tells us to overcome our weakness through somehow mustering strength from within our already weak selves. The world tells us to embrace our strengths, but the response of God is different. It's counterintuitive. He says he can work powerfully through our weakness. Of course, we should still pray for healing and transformation. Jesus is present to heal. And by working in power through our weakness, he transforms us and heals our hearts and our minds, making us more like him if we choose to walk in step with him. There is power in the name of Jesus and we can call on his name to heal and to transform us. But we do have to live with the tension that sometimes we don't get healed in the way and timing that we would like. But we still contain the treasure and Jesus can still work in power through us. In 2 Corinthians 12, God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul went on to say, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, insults in hardships in persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. God's call on our lives is often to do things that we don't feel confident to do in our own strength. And these are the times that remind us that we have to depend on God, draw closer to him, and he wants us in that place. He will use us in that place. He'll use you and this, in this place. And we must continue to believe that he can. Never be so despairing that you don't believe that God can use you. Because this can ultimately lead down a dangerous path of self-pity and pride. Believe that God is bigger and more powerful and closer to you than you can ever imagine. Jackie Pullinger, a Christian missionary in Hong Kong who has ministered for years to many people addicted to drugs, she's been known to say that she never trusts anyone who doesn't walk with a limp, meaning someone who doesn't have or more accurately admit to some sort of weakness. Probably because she knows that when we acknowledge our weakness before God and others, this is the place 
where we'll be on our knees before God, depending completely on him and offering ourselves to his service. This is the place where the treasure will shine through very brightly. God wants us to say, take me as I am, Lord. And no one is too weak to contain his treasure. And it is amazing truth that the power of God that lives within us when released can bring healing and hope and freedom to us and to those around us. Our clay jar may be broken and vulnerable through physical or mental suffering. Both are part of this fallen world. And we all have to contend with one or the other or both at one time or more in our lives. Many well-known Christians have suffered from mental illness and been used mightily by God. Charles Spurgeon, who was a famous 19th century preacher, suffered from episodes of severe depression. And um, he said this, a primary qualification for serving God with any amount of success and for doing God's work well and triumphantly is a sense of our own weakness. When God's warrior marches forth to battle strong in his own might, defeat is not far distant. God will not go forth with that man who marches in his own strength. He who reckons on victory in this way has reckoned wrongly, for it is not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Are you mourning over your own weakness? Take courage. For there must be a consciousness of weakness before the Lord will give you victory. Your emptiness is a preparation for your being filled and your casting down is a making ready for your lifting up. Throughout the Bible, it is clear that God used people powerfully to his glory who were perceived by themselves or others to be weak, dysfunctional, mentally or physically ill, outcasts or lowly in status, people whom the world rejected. Moses said he had a speech problem. Gideon said he was too weak. Mary, mother of Jesus, was a poor peasant girl still unmarried at the time that God chose her to give birth to the saviour of the world. Mary Magdalene, who Jesus had to drive out demons from, was a close friend of Jesus and the first to witness him risen from the dead the first messenger for Jesus. And these are historical figures, but we continue to hear today testimony after testimony of God at work in power through people who have perhaps been written off or rejected by society. And in 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. Being strong or attempting to be strong all by ourselves doesn't seem to get us very far with God. But we seem to be predisposed to dislike being in a place of weakness. It feels exposing or a vulnerable place to be. We may try to hide from God but he knows everything already. The one that created us isn't surprised by our weakness. God fully knows us, and he loves us still with a love that is unfailing and constant and faithful. And his love remains, whether we hide or not. But when we try to hide from God, we won't experience 
his power working through us fully and we won't fully experience the depth of his love. When we try to hide from God, we won't experience the fullness of the plans that he has for us because we won't get to know him more, trust him, surrender everything to him and allow him to take full control of our lives. We may try to hide our weakness from those around us, but when we do, our relationships remain stagnant, they don't move on, and others will hide from us. And when we hide from others, we don't experience the depth of love that is possible between us. We may believe that people would prefer to look at a beautiful, elegant porcelain vase, at least something a little more beautiful than the cracked clay jar or cracked pot that we are. And although we have to take care of our clay jar in a functional way, insofar as it has an extraordinary job to do to house the treasure, we may be striving to make our clay jar look much better to the people around us through hiding our physical or mental brokenness or through trying to change what we look like through clothes, cosmetics, worrying about what we say or do, what we achieve or what we acquire materially, worrying about what others may think. And it isn't that these are all bad things in themselves, but they shouldn't become our primary concern or focus, because if they do, God is removed from his rightful place as the first in our lives. And actually the truth is that when we see the treasure within others, when we see Jesus shining through, all the brokenness of the clay jar becomes more beautiful and more precious to look at than any elegant and expensive bar, vase could ever be. We're drawn towards each other's vulnerability and weakness when we see God working through it and see joy and steadfastness of faith in suffering and weak Christians. When we hide and try to mask our broken clay jars behind a veneer, we miss out on deep relationship with God and with others. John Ortberg wrote a book called Everybody's Normal Till You Get to Know Them. And he says in this book, knowing and being known go to the core of life. You cannot be fully loved if you are not fully known. You can only be loved to the extent that you are known. You can only be completely loved if you're completely known. And over the years, I've come to notice that my most precious relationships aren't with those that I've tried to present a polished life to, but with those who know that the cracks in my clay jar are still very numerous. And if there are people here who are hiding, I really recommend taking what may feel like a risk. Talk freely to God about the parts of yourself that you feel most ashamed about, as he knows it already, and he desperately wants you to come to him. Try opening up to someone you trust, increasing intimacy in our relationships, primarily with God and then with others, improves our physical and our mental health. And life-giving community, whether it's within the church or beyond, is built where we can be open, at least with some people, about our struggles and where we see the power of Jesus working through our own weak human selves, transforming and restoring and healing. Jennifer Blair, an artist and photographer, writes in her blog, it's crazy that the Spirit of God wants to house himself in this dirty little jar of clay. 
I'm letting go of trying to cover up my weakness today. I'm broken and I know it. Only God is strong in me. The cracks and broken pieces in my exterior are allowing the light of Christ shine through. I'm ordinary on the outside, but hold something extraordinary inside. My strength is utter weakness and my victory is to lose. My triumph is when I'm pressed down, bruised, bent and broken. So let the pressure come. Let it break me so that all the world will know that the only good in me is Jesus. Only Jesus. And Paul went on to say towards the end of this passage that we should not lose heart. Because although we are wasting away on the outside, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And this is because the power of Jesus is within us. He said that the troubles that we have in this lifetime are light and momentary. And some of you may be going through something right now that doesn't feel at all light and momentary. And Paul's problems and troubles probably didn't either. But I believe that through these words, Paul is urging us to look towards Jesus in all our circumstances, to fix our eyes on him and to the glory that lies ahead after our earthly death, where we will be entirely restored and renewed and be with him forever if we believe and trust in Jesus. And in the light of eternity, what Paul was going through and whatever you and I may go through, whether it be physical or mental suffering. It will be very short-lived. And Paul said that these sufferings achieve an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. But it may not feel like that to you right now. And perhaps there are people who feel far away from God. Um, my friend Kate Patterson wrote a book called The Promise of Blessing. And I, I really recommend it to anyone, but perhaps particularly to people who may um, sometimes find it difficult to reconcile um, struggles or um, suffering with a God who loves and is close and wants to um, bless. And she said in this book, she said, storms or the struggles of life don't necessarily mean that we are out of God's will or cut off from his blessing. In fact, the moment of our greatest brokenness and suffering is exactly the moment we need to know that God is for us. Difficulties do not mean that we are abandoned. Our God is eternal and he's trustworthy. And you can put yourselves in the hands of our trustworthy God. He is for you, he loves you, he sees you, and he's with you. You and I are just cracked clay jars or cracked pots, but his treasure is within us. And when you call upon the name of Jesus, he will come in power, working in and through your life to transform your life and the lives of those around you. And remember that his power is made perfect in our weakness.